you guys meet? When did y'all meet? Was that before the military? During? After? I talk I talk a lot, so I'm going to let her answer that. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. <laughs> you're so funny. We met online mm-hmm. in a Jewish chat room. It was after his military. Really? When it was all AOL. It was, it was just starting up. I remember that. A few years ago. Wow, yes, I remember AOL, and that was like the happening place. Yep, and chat rooms, and you could meet people, and it wasn't as scary as nowadays. So how how did that pan out? Were y'all even in the same city? No, no. but we, I, was, I went to school, and I lived in the city he was living in that I had moved. But it wasn't far, and I, I insulted him is how I got his attention. <laughs> Welcome to Season 2 of the Medal of Honor Podcast. In this episode, Season 2, Episode 4, we meet Army veteran Samuel Silver. While his time in service was shorter than anticipated, he shares about challenges experienced as a Jewish soldier. He shared that he and his wife are both Jewish by ethnicity and by faith. He is joined by his wife who is a nurse. During the recording of this episode, they share what life is like as parents of teenage girls, one with ADHD and the other who is on the autism spectrum. Currently, Sam is a licensed real estate agent in the state of California. He's been assisting Southern California across many communities since 2003. AOL Jewish chat room. Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought she kind of insulted me. She said you actually admitted living in CB Valley because she grew up in CB Valley. <laughs> now, where is CB Valley? CB Valley is Ventura County, Here California. In California. California. Okay. So, so we so we were talking on the on the chat and talking back and forth, talking back. And but forth. you thought I was a I, friend of yours. I thought she was a friend of mine because. Not too long before I was communicating with her, a friend of mine um, teased me and showed up as a different name on AOL. And he was saying, oh, you like this? I like this. I mean, he was doing all the commonalities that they oh. see people um, dating. Uh-huh. And then I went to, then I said, okay, well, that's me. He was yeah. pretending to be a girl. He was pretending to be a girl. And then we walked into a Starbucks, and I saw my friend sitting in Starbucks, and I said, no. The jig was up. As soon as I walked in, I knew exactly what was going on. Oh, okay. And, uh, I'm never going to meet anybody else on online. You know, forget that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so when, you, when y'all actually did meet... Well, we ended, up talk, we ended up going from... Talk, texting each other to talking on the phone all through the night. He was driving a cab and he'd tell me, I'll call you right back when I get in the cab. 
And then he'd come back and he'd call me. We'd talk the whole way while he was doing his drive. Then he'd go home and I'll call you right back. And that went on like till about four in the morning. And then the next day he had worked. He was tired. He had just gotten home from driving his cab and tucked himself into bed. And I said, well, if you want to meet me, now's the time to do it. And he was exhausted. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he picked up Yoshinoya and came over and we had dinner. And that was our first in-person meeting, 24 Yoshinoya. hours. Yoshinoya. What Yoshinoya, is that? It's a, um, like a, it's a Ch- chicken bowl and things like that. It's like a fast food, uh, place, but I mean, a really good Chinese food. You guys said y'all met in a, it was a Jewish chat room. Are you, are you guys Jewish by faith or Jewish yes. by ethnicity yes. or both? Both. Both. Jewish by faith. So when I was in the army, one of the first chaplains I worked with was Jewish. You will love this. And most people, I would have to explain it to them, but I won't have to eat with you guys because of it. He, the chaplain, he called the office and said, Hey, I missed lunch. I need something to eat. Do we have anything in the office that I can eat? And I'm looking, you know, I'm looking on all the, like the cereal bars and things, looking for that U or that K, you know, to show that it was kosher. And I was like, man, I was like, we don't have anything. And he said, oh, what do we have? And I said, there, we have like a blueberry and a strawberry Nutri-Grain bar. He said, hey, does it have that R next to the name with the circle around it? I said, yeah. He said, good, I can eat it. I'm like, no, but the R that's in a circle, it's the registered trademark. He said, today it means reformed you. I'm going to eat it. Bring it. <laughs> That's funny. That is- uh-huh. <laughs> so how long ago was that that you guys met? Um, since we're talking AOL. 20, oh, that's right. You did say 22 years ago. 22 years ago, and we've been married 21. And how many kids do you have? We have 16-year-old twin daughters. What? Are you guys <laughs> No. Do both of them have autism or just one of them? No, just one of them. Both of them have ADHD. Okay. Well, are they identical or, or fraternal? Hmm? fraternal? Are they identical or fraternal? Fraternal. Ah. So, Sam, to you, the question that I would ask you. So before y'all met, mm-hmm. and you were a cab driver, I guess, when y'all met, sounds like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Let's go back in time before that. What, okay. what, when did you join the military and why? I joined the military while I was still in high school. Okay. And I was looking at it as a way to uh, get college money um, because both my parents were working post office. Um, my mom had remarried, so. Um, she remarried someone that worked at the post office as well. They met in the post office. So um, I wasn't sure about education and if they could have afforded uh, for me to go to college. So I was looking at it as a way to go to college and to get experience and, and learn more about myself. I was excited to uh, travel and, and they realize, you know, what was all involved and I had a recruiter that was following me from like (laughs) probably probably right after I got into high school I had a recruiter that was like following me (laughs) so 
He was hunting you down. He was hunting me down. He was doing his job and taking me out to lunch and, you know, all of, he was, he was, uh, he was schmoozing. Um, so I told my mom I wanted to go into the military. I went in the army and she actually had to sign the papers. I was delayed entry program. And she actually had to sign the papers when I was, I was a minor still. Okay. And, um, my birthday's March 24th. So, uh, I thought I went in when I was 17, but apparently I did not. I thought, <laughs> okay. How does that work out? Um, because the late entry program when I was 17 and I'm sure I turned, had turned 18 before I went in. Okay. Cause I went in July 14th and in 1989, 1989. And mm-hmm. my wife keeps correcting me because I, I say I went in when I was 17, but apparently I didn't. <laughs> so maybe she may, have uh, you, she may have signed you in when you were 17, 17. but you didn't actually go into your 18. But on that too, I don't know if I, I don't think I realized this until I became a recruiter that that delayed entry time, does have some bearing on your total time okay um but even so even if it didn't you, the the reason why you know when you depped in your mom had to sign the paperwork was because i mean or, or the benefit of that for you is mm-hmm. that it did secure that job whatever job you pick what job did you pick uh, I was going in to be in military intelligence. Okay. So especially counter, with something like that. Yeah. Counter signal um, intelligence specialist is what my MLS. Um, were you ever at, at Fort Gordon? No, I was at Fort Jackson first for, for basic training. Mm-hmm. And then after Fort Jackson, I went to Fort Wichita, Arizona, mm-hmm. which is a base that's a lot of military intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, people and then I was scheduled to go to uh, Korea and unfortunately through my basic and my EIT I'd injured my knees oh no so my my service was was cut short because of my knees I, I um, developed a condition called chondromalacia which is a which is a deterioration of the cartilage and Gail's a nurse, so she could tell you. Ah. <laughs> a lot of people get it. So, and, what is uh, that, um, Miss Nurse? Can you explain what that is from a medical? It's um, it's part. It's an arthritis, and it starts wearing down, and then you end up getting eventually, you get like bone. You get bone on bone at some point in your life because it's wearing down continually. Oh wow! So he had he had bilateral knee surgeries when he came out of the military. Now, did you get medically separated? Yes. Okay. And yes. with that, did you get connected with the VA? Absolutely. Okay. Because, I mean, I know, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, because I didn't join the military in, until February of 95. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got off active duty and then went into the reserves, I remember doing that, uh, at, that at that time, it was the ACAP briefing. And when they started talking about VA benefits in my mind, I associated the VA mm-hmm. with world war two and Vietnam vets and PTSD and agent orange or missing limbs. 
So I didn't really fully pay attention to it because I thought I don't fall in any of those categories. I have mm-hmm. all my limbs. I don't didn't go to war. So I'm, you know, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I stayed in for longer and realized, oops, I'm not so good to go after all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um what was that what was that med board process like for you? And when I asked that, I'm I asked from the perspective of like I'm I don't know if you had plans to do eight years in the military or 20 years. Mm-hmm. But either way, that getting med boarded out uh, impacts that. How did that work out? You know, what was going through your head at that time? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, for them even to listen to me about my knees, you know, when when you go to um, sick call, of course, they're going to give you your Motrin. You know, make sure you <laughs> change your socks and got uh, full canteen of water. Um <laughs> But besides that, no one would listen to me. Yeah. No one would listen to me. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, shake it off. Go back, go back to go back to formation. You're fine. Man up. <laughs> yep. Man up. There's a, it's in your head. Mm-hmm. It's in your head. And you know, every time I would go to sit call. And you know, in South Carolina, it was very humid. So the humidity was really, you know affecting my knees Mm -hmm. it was it was july july so you know in south carolina in july it's it's humid it's very sticky and you know you take you take a shower and you go outside and you need Mm -hmm. another shower it's it's gross you know what (laughs) i'm originally from charleston south carolina and i did not go to basic training at fort jackson which was just two hours away i went to basic (laughs) training at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And oh, was, in the woods. Yeah, Fort Lost <laughs> in the Wood in the state of misery. <laughs> um, and, and I went in February, so I didn't have to deal with the summertime. But because I was, you know, a little bit further north, like in Missouri, mm-hmm. the heat wasn't an issue. But now that I've come back to South Carolina, I tell people I am so glad. I was never stationed at Fort Jackson especially during like basic or AIT or anything, because the heat and humidity is crazy. Um, it is. I mean, and I, and I think I, I asked, how did I grow up in this sticky sweatiness? It's all you knew. It was all I knew. And now that I know otherwise, I wonder why I even came back. Um, <laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> um So the reason why I was asking if you had been at at Fort Gordon at all, um, for four years, when I was at Fort Gordon, I was in an intelligence unit there, Mm -hmm. and it was a big SIGINT um, unit, and they also had, uh, so our, mostly our brigade was SIGINT, but there was also a couple of human battalions as well, Mm -hmm. and so I actually enjoyed it. And I, you know, I tell people that, you know, I, I got a security clearance. I, I already had a security clearance, but my security clearance, I got a um, higher level one um, mm-hmm. when I was yeah, in NCI? that TSSEI. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was mainly because I would have to go to not only go to command and staff, but also go to other briefings when our unit deployed. Um, and if I didn't have that clearance, I couldn't go to the meetings and therefore what kind of asset would I 
you know, be not as not as because I was a chaplain assistant. So okay. it was not not what kind of asset would I be to the army, but what kind of could I fully be an asset in that type of unit when I was missing out on a lot of the information. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of what I would do in those meetings and again, something else that you would appreciate and I, you know, is that when I would go to those meetings and, and S4 supply mm -hmm. would talk about like, you know, getting MREs and getting things to eat and all that kind of stuff. I would have to say, hey, just FYI, we have X number of people who need um, certain meals, mm -hmm. like the special meals. And they're like, what do you mean? You don't know what, so now you know what everybody likes to eat? Uh -huh. I said, well, no, <laughs> we have Jewish soldiers, Islamic soldiers, and Seventh-day Adventist soldiers. Absolutely. And all three of those religious preferences have some sort of eat a dietary need based mm -hmm. upon their religious beliefs. And so, and, and so I would have to go to S1 to get the religious preferences of the whole unit and then break it down to what those preferences were so that I could then go to the command and staff and be like, okay, look, if you're getting a 90 day supply of MREs and food, um, just know that this many people have religious dietary needs. Well, who is it? Well, one, it doesn't matter because, you know, <laughs> I mean, because one, the commander could go to S1 and find that out himself. But two, I also knew that like, I, I you know, having that, that sense of confidentiality um, well, that I could go. Very, yeah. Very yeah. Good. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I'm just thinking I wouldn't want to have people look at me. I mean, I'm not Seventh-day Adventist, but if I were Seventh-day Adventist and I couldn't eat meat, I could only eat vegetables. Mm -hmm. um because of my religious preference i mean why am i gonna it's okay um, i've i've had some many many a dogs join podcast episodes um, <laughs> yeah that's mincy she's she's our resident barker <laughs> hey it's a full family affair full family Absolutely. affair so yeah um, and so you know just yeah so i kind of enjoyed being part of that unit um, but then the part that I didn't care for getting that clearance is when we would do field exercises, it meant, guess what I got to do? I got to help move equipment around that you have to have a clearance to even be able to see. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ah, you charged Uncle Sam all this money for me to get a clearance so I could be your um, overpaid coffee maker equipment mover. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Over, overpaid gopher. <laughs> yes, pretty much. So since we're talking a little bit about faith, when you were in the military, even if though it was it's not as long as you expected, um, mm -hmm. did you find, well, I guess it's a twofold question. One, how important was your faith to you at that time? And then did you have difficulty in being able to get any kind of like religious preference accommodations, whether like, like saying, Hey, look, I got to go to synagogue on Friday night. I can't stay late. It's my day of worship. Did you mm -hmm. have issues that you had to deal with or obstacles? I did. Um, I met a captain that was also Jewish and I forgot where I was. I think it was in South Carolina and he kind of took me under his wing. And uh, on Friday nights, I would go to temple and he gave me this. I still have this book. It's a little 
book about this big and it has prayers, religious prayers for everything. Mm-hmm. And on the cover, I think it says military um, prayer something like that or something like that it's like an all-in-one it's like this means it's very small but i think i know what you're talking about actually yeah this captain gave it to me and on friday nights all the guys in the in the barracks are like where are you going we got to clean the barracks sorry (laughs) i gotta go to temple i said you guys have church on on saturday you guys have church on sunday friday night is my time to go to temple and i would go with the captain and and it was just, it was a way for me to see my spirituality and who I was just as a person mm-hmm. and separate myself from my military, yeah. which was, I mean, it was very important. You know, everyone needs their, their, their time mm-hmm. to um, look at where they're at. So it was yeah. very important to me that, that I had that opportunity to be, first of all, around another person that could relate mm-hmm. in the military uh, with their faith. So yeah, it was, you- it was important to me and there were there, you know, it was trying times and I was trying to deal with, you know, what was going on with my knees and trying to figure it out. And every time, you know, I would de- second guess myself when I go to go to uh, sick call mm-hmm. and they're telling me it's in my head. I'm like, well, is it in my head? Am I imagining it? Is is there something going on? So being able to separate myself and, and to have the the um, downtime mm-hmm. with my religion, it was very important to me. Sydney was speech delayed, and that's what they had given her as a diagnosis for the first six and a half years of her life. Do you feel like as you were going through that process of saying, hey, look, I know how I feel. I know I'm hurting right now. Um, And then people telling you it's all in your head. And then finally getting to the place where somebody somewhere believed you. Mm -hmm. Do you really feel like that was a time that maybe drew you closer to God and your faith or like, or did you question stuff more? Well, I've always, always been at least spiritual. Um, whether I go to temple or not, I've always been really spiritual. Um, um, I did massage therapy for a while and I believe in energies. And so I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I understand that there's more than what we could see. And that's obvious because you take a look at the Eastern and the Western and, and the two modalities are actually getting closer Mm -hmm. as time goes by. Um, so I've always been spiritual. It gave me sanity. Okay. Mm-hmm. It gave me sanity when when everything was going crazy and I'm going to captains and I'm going to colonels and I'm going to whoever they're sending me to. Finally, I was shipped around to different places because no one would listen to me. And then my my last station was South Carolina, and finally it was a I think it was a full bird colonel that was that was the the doctor and he's going through my chart and he's saying this you're not making this up you know you can't make this up everything i see here you're i mean it's very consistent on on why you're going to sick call why you're going to these places and 
I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm not lying about this. It's just getting worse. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, you have an option. You, you can um, do desk duty. And I'm like, well, okay, well, that's an option. Or you can get out. And at that point, I was so I was in pain. Mm-hmm. I was in pain and I was, I was suffering and no one was listening to me. So I said, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to get out at this point. So it was easy for you to choose at this point. I'm just, I'm done. It, it's, yeah. you know, it was easier. For I was just done because my knees weren't getting any better. And I just picture myself 20 years later and my knees gone just because mm-hmm. no one would listen to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course people in the barracks, you know, they harass you. Thinking that you're making things up, and because you're going to sit call, and they're like, "Well, why are you going to sit call all the time?" You know? Yeah. You got to be making this up. You know, we mm-hmm. we're all going through the same thing, and and none of us are having to deal with it. You know? Yeah. So, am I insane? No, I'm not insane. I, I'm I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, and it, it's it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, I didn't let the medical doctors do anything with my knees as soon as I got out. Yeah, paid their deductible for that year, and I, I, I had a civilian doctor do it. <laughs> so, all right. So you got out. You do the med board process. You have surgery. Is that when you started doing uh, being a cab driver, or was there some other things in between? I done sales since I since I got out. When I got out, I went back to my parents' house in Simi Valley, California, and. I was sleeping on my mom's couch. I was, I was there for a while. And, um, then I, then I, uh, I did a few sales things. I did, I sold kids toys door to door. I did security when I really couldn't do much with my knees. My knees were just recouping and I would just go sit and, um, watch, the, the uh, gas stations, watch the little holes in the ground when they were changing all the gas stations mm-hmm. to, to a more, a better uh, type of pump. Mm-hmm. So I'd sit there and I'd, I'd watch a hole. <laughs> so, so here's, here's where, here's where I want to kind of tie, tie things together. You're, you know, you're, you, you're doing a, a lot of what you're doing, what a lot of veterans do. And I think, that when we get out the military, whether it was by choice or kind of forced out, there's a lot of job hopping. Then you meet this lady. So when you married this guy, this veteran, knowing he he was a veteran and then kind of job hopping, did you question anything like, okay, look, mister, you're going to be the head of the house. So you need to buckle down and do something. Was there any of that? No, because he was a cab driver when I met him, and my dad was a cab driver back in New York, Ah. and then my dad went into car sales and finance, so in my family, there wasn't, you know, my dad didn't finish high school, my mom didn't finish high school, I was already a nurse, and I knew that my job was secure, and basically, we were, we've always, our entire time together, we've always based any of our bills or things that we spend per month on what my salary is mm-hmm. and whatever he makes is a bonus. Driving the cab, and then he went to work for a fencing company. Mm-hmm. Then he worked for Schwann's Food Service. 
but his money was never, we never put it into our debt. So we knew if we were going to buy a house, we had to make it on whatever I was making. One of the things that really drew my attention to you was what you do when you talk about selling homes to veterans and giving them what you you do it because people are going to listen to this episode very passionate yes yeah yeah i'm I'm passionate about giving back to heroes in the community that's your your veterans military teachers nurses all your first responders government employees and nonprofits. and reasons why is first of all our babies were little they were 211 and 215 when they were born. And I mean, there was there was times that we were in a hospital and we didn't know if we were going to go back, go out with both of them. Okay. And the nurses, Loma Linda Hospital is one of the biggest hospitals in the nation for when it comes to prematures and babies that have issues. So we were living in Riverside County at the time, and uh, we were in a little city called Beaumont, California, and little Podum hospital that just I think they just developed their their baby wing. Do right? they even have a NICU? They they didn't have a NICU when the girls were born. So did y'all have yeah. to go somewhere else then because of that? Uh, no I do I went into premature labor and they couldn't transfer me. Oh because yeah. I was in full-blown labor and they had to send two ambulance teams from Loma Linda to the hospital to get the babies. Wow. Tiny. They were born at 30 weeks. With you, you are already a nurse. Mm-hmm. And so what was it like? So that part was hard. They were in vitro babies and we were high risk from the beginning because they were twins and we had miscarried a set of twins two years prior. And I also had a ruptured ectopic a year oh. before them. So they were high, they were high risk. So we had ultrasounds all the time. And I went into premature labor at 29 weeks and we were able to hold off until they were 30 weeks and my water broke. And so there we went to the hospital and they delivered them by C-section. Sydney, Sydney is our daughter that has autism and her APGAR scores were one, two, and five. When normal, healthy babies, when I was in labor and delivery, you call out eights and nines. It's at one minute of after their birth and at five minutes. And you have five different things that you give points to, zero, one, or two. How are they breathing, their respirations, their heart rate, their color? Are they floppy? So hers were one. What did she have, a heart rate? I don't even know. I don't even know what she got a one for. And then at five minutes, it was only two. So really she shouldn't have even survived. And then when they got them over to the NICU, Haley spent eight weeks there and Sydney spent 11 weeks there. And there were five different times we almost lost her. Haley or Sydney? Sydney. Okay. So when I think about her having autism, I think we are so fortunate with what we have because it could have been so much worse. How old was she when that diagnosis came along? Six and a half. What had happened was she, because she was, um, her APGARs were so poor, she qualified for, in California, it's called the regional center. I don't know if they have that there, but she had a caseworker and she had 
speech therapy, occupational therapy, and physical therapy from the time she was 18 months old. And I kept saying to them, do you see any signs of autism? And they tell me, no, no, no. She would get on her tippy toes and twirl around in circles and then fall down and she'd laugh and then she'd do it again and again. And at that point she was starting to get frustrated and she would start banging her head on the tile on the floor. And they're like, well, it's just because of her speech because she's frustrated. I'm like, but if I ask her, show me what you want, she will take me by the hand and show me what she wants. And I didn't allow them to release her from regional centers at three. Mm -hmm. Normally they release them to the school district. And I said, I'm not allowing the, the release until she's evaluated. And we went for the evaluation and the therapist says, does she look you in the eye? We said, yes. Is she loving? Yes. And she doesn't have autism. So my oh. was nine and a half years ago, but she did give her a, an MR diagnosis, which is not true. So she was released to the school district and they did all her speech therapy and things like that. And it took a while until she was about five, six years old to make full sentences. And now we can't stop her from talking. <laughs> we tend to talk to each other and get a lot from each other. Luckily, a parent had told me that I can reopen her file with regional center. And I did. And I had her evaluated by a different person. And after 30 minutes, she came out to me and she said, she has autism. And I said, oh, so she's on the spectrum. She said, no, she has autism. And it was bittersweet. I find it was finally validated what we had thought all along. And so we tried ABA three different times and it doesn't work for us. She's way too manipulative. She's one way when they're there and a totally mm -hmm. different way when we're not there. Then not there. But the biggest issues we have with her is her aggression. She's aggressive and it's been since time she was little. But when she's little and she's hitting me in the leg, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But now she's bigger than me and she weighs more than me. So we went the route at five years old with both girls mm -hmm. because we knew there was ADHD in there when they started kindergarten and we went to the psychiatrist and we had our diagnosis of ADHD, started them on medication because I wanted them to be able to learn and not be under the chairs or under the desks in the classroom when everybody else is learning. But being a nurse, I'm okay with medication. Yeah. I know so many people that are not but I'm okay with it. We've, we've had to medicate Sydney, you know, this whole time too, with her aggression and different things like that. And she's 16 now and it's hard. Autism yeah. and puberty do not mix well. So I make Sam go walk with her outside where there weren't a lot of people not knowing this was autism, not me. So if that's, you know, I look back now, over time that Haley didn't have those issues mm -hmm. and she was a preemie too, but Sydney did. So if I look back now, I see more things. And I think watching two children at the same time, that should be at the same milestones. And see, I, I don't have any kids, so I don't have that um, parental instinct. Yeah. I think if but I had Sydney first, I probably wouldn't have even thought anything of it. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I hear a lot of the, the, the other piece that was making me say that or think that is, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about 
who have had twins, whether they're, they're identical or fraternal, is that their personalities are different. They are. Um, so I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if you said, okay, well, um, this one's, you know, doing this and the other one is not, but they're just, they have different interests or different desires. Not so much. I mean, I have a calendar that Sam bought me from when they were born and it's like an 18 month calendar and I have everything written down like when they did things I don't think you can see it but when they did things oh okay and it's like Sydney was 13 months before she would pick a piece of food up off the thing to eat it she ate a sausage my mother-in-law gave her at the restaurant she wouldn't pick things up tactile that's what I was getting ready to ask if that tactile didn't know that knew nothing and then here's Haley going like this, you know, she's no problem. Tactile, even her first birthday cake, she cried. She didn't like the feel of it. Aww. None of it. And Haley was diving in. Did totally that, different. did any of that change over time as far as food is concerned? Yeah. She'll eat a lot more things now. Like she would only like, well, still she likes noodles, anything that's pasta, <laughs> rice, carbs. She likes carbs. But she'll eat vegetables, fruits, she'll eat stuff. It's not like that, you know, I have three things that she'll eat and that's it. Yeah. She'll eat, she'll eat a more variety. I made sure that she would get her school lunches mm-hmm. at school so that she would try different things. Oh, okay. So it's either eat something or be hungry. Yeah. And that helped. Even if she wanted pizza every day, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden a chicken sandwich popped up. And all of a sudden, oh, I had a cheese, I had a cheeseburger for lunch, different things that she would eat. And because she's sitting with peers, oh, hey, he's going to get a cheeseburger. I'm going to try that too. Yeah. While they might not be fully independent, they at least have a level of independence and it gives you as the parent, um, is freedom the right word? It is, but it also gives a sense of, a sense of, what, like knowledge that she's going to be okay when we're not here. Okay. A little comfort. Yeah. Yeah. My, my concern is that, and even though she's a twin, I don't want her to be Haley's responsibility. I want her, Haley says, well, of course I'm going to take care of her. She's my twin. I said, I want that to be your decision, not your job. I want her to have as much independence. Here in California, they do what's called also um, supportive living services. So basically, if she lived out on her own and say she got home from work at three o'clock, someone would be at the house for her at three o'clock when she got there and be there until she went to bed. And then we could have somebody living there at the house just okay. for safety, mostly for safety. California is very special needs friendly. Okay. We have what's called the Lanterman Act out here. What and is it that? Was, it was started by parents of adults with special needs. I want to say it was back in 68 or 69. What it basically says that it's when Sydney turns 18, if she says, I want to live by myself in an apartment, she's an adult. She has that right to decide. So they help make sure everything is taken care of for her and that she's going to be there safe. There's 
Re when I say regional center, regional center came out of the Landerman Act. And they're basically caseworkers. And because she has a diagnosis of autism, they have to take care of her from cradle to coffin. So if we're no longer here, she will always have a case manager, a caseworker assigned to her case to help with her, you know, financials, for her living, for her safety and things like that. And I'm just thinking, because mental, mental health issues, what about the individual in California who says, I'm 18, 19, however old, and I want to go live on my own. Is there something that says, unless you just can't make those decisions yourself or what? Conservatorship. Okay. We have conservatorship that the parents can apply for conservatorship. Okay. She would be given her own attorney mm -hmm. to work with her. And as a parent, we can remove some of her rights when it comes to like, say, financial or housing decisions or medical, mm -hmm. things like that. But I don't know. We haven't gotten to that part yet because she's only 16. And we've talked about it, you know. I don't want to take away her right to marry if she decides that, you know, that she wants to marry somebody that she falls in love with. I don't want to take all her rights away, right. but I do want to take away the right for financial because I don't want her to, somebody to open up a credit card in her name and have her sign it or have her buy something. So there's certain things that you, that I would want to have some control over and some say over when it comes to mental health. There's another piece of it that you have to do. And I'm actually going back to school for my mental health nurse practitioner. Mm 